0: turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, and I'm going to read from the NIV today. They'll have it for you, Luke chapter 8, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Everybody here will know it once you get there, but we'll begin reading at verse 40. How many of you saw all these today? If you missed them, man, we we got to go get you seen about today. But I want to give a great big thank you to Sister Georgine and Sister Megan and my wife and my boys. They came in here yesterday. Amen. And put them everywhere, these words of encouragement. Amen. If you found one today that you read that meant something to you, take it home with you. Put it somewhere that you'll see it in your Bible or on your mirror. Let it encourage you today. Amen. And we'll, we'll, we'll get there and you'll understand what it's for in just a moment. Amen. But Luke chapter 8, begin reading verse 40. It says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. My, what would happen if we all came expecting him? Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house. I have an important need. I have something that I need your help with. Because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. But no one could heal her. You ever felt that way before? that the situation that you are in, nobody can help. Not a friend, not a loved one, not a preacher. Nobody seems to be able to help me. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked, and when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding And pressing against you, but Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. And she told why she had touched him, and how she had been healed instantly. Then He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Verse 47 again. Then the woman seeing that she could not go unnoticed. Today for just a little while I want to preach to you on that subject. Not unnoticed. Father, we love You today. We thank You for Your presence that has been in this place. God, right now we ask that you would pour out your spirit. God, give us the word, Lord, that you want us to hear today. Anoint these lips of clay. Open every heart. You see the one that is here today. And it matters not how long they have dealt with this issue. It matters not how long they have gone unnoticed or unseen. Today, you are in this place. Today, It doesn't matter the multitude and the crowd of people that may be here. You can save one. You can heal one. You can deliver one today. And you see us and you know right where we are. And for that we say thank you. For that we praise you today. And we ask that you would be with us the remainder of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated in the house of the Lord today. While we have an understanding that not everyone desires to be noticed, if we were to ask how many of you like attention and like the spotlight on you, there would be some that would not raise their hand because that's just not them. However, looking at our world today, I would say that the vast majority of people desire to be noticed. They desire to be seen. Not saying they want to be in the spotlight. Not saying they want to be the one that's the star of the show. But they just want to be appreciated. They want to know that somebody sees them. That somebody recognizes their efforts and kids will act out. Because they're just wanting attention. They're wanting mom and dad to put the cell phones down and pay them attention for five minutes. And young people will go hang out with certain crowds and they were they will fall to the pressures around them because they're just wanting somebody to say, I love you. They're wanting somebody to care for them and act like they're their friend. And posts are made with pictures called selfies in hopes that somebody notices And people video themselves doing charitable deeds. Because if we don't have record of it, then it didn't really happen. They want the applause. They want the comments and the likes and the followers and the comments. They tell other people about their gesture. Hoping to get praise. And they have to have everything picture perfect. Why? Because we want to be noticed. They have filters. That you can put on the picture that make you look like Mr. Potato Head. They have different things that you could do to change your appearance and change your environment. And all of this just so somebody will click a little button that says, I like that. I love that. I want to be their friend. I want to follow them. And if we're going to be noticed, we want it to appear like we've just got it all together. We want it to be perfect. But though we get the likes, and the followers, and the comments, all the things that we are after, it appears that it is never enough. That when I had seven likes, we're upset that we didn't have ten likes. And we're stressed out about it. And why didn't three more people like my post? And why didn't three more people comment on this? And we push beyond our comfort zone and do things we said we would never do. We spend money on things we don't need and we exhaust ourselves trying to be someone we are not. We are giving our money to all of these doctors hoping maybe one of them can help me. Maybe one of them can be the answer that I need and the hope that I'm looking for. And like this woman with the issue of blood, she says, I've already spent my money on all these other things and all these other doctors hoping that somebody would be able to notice me and see what my issue is and help me and heal me. So the question we must ask is, what are we really after today? Or rather, who are we after And it boils down to being noticed and then being accepted. And we are so surrounded in our world today. Even today, you're not just sitting on a pew by yourself. But there are people that are all around you, and yet you may be here today. And you may be in the pew with somebody. And you may have come in the car with your family today. And yet still you feel like you're unwanted, unloved and unseen. And you you feel like you're in a place where nobody knows where you're at. With all our resources, they say we should be more connected now more than ever. But I fear that with all of these resources and with all of these gadgets that we have never been more far apart. We claim to understand this, yet we continue down the toxic path of needing to be accepted by all of the wrong people. And we go daily feeling unseen and unnoticed. Even in our own home, you might feel like you're not enough. That you don't mow the lawn like the guy down the road mows the lawn. And you don't clean house like the lady keeps her house clean. And you don't raise your kids like they raise their kids. And their kids seem to be so well behaved. And, and we're doing this thing where we're constantly trying to measure up to somebody else. And meet somebody else's standard of living. And basing it off of appearance sake only. And Scripture warns us about this in the message it said, We're not, understand, putting ourselves in a league with those who boast that there are superiors. We wouldn't dare do that. But in all of this comparing and grading and competing, they quite miss the point. That while I'm sitting here comparing myself with somebody else... That when I'm looking at what they're doing, and and the prayer life they have, and the worship that they have, and, and I'm comparing my life to theirs, and, and I'm missing the point. I'm going about my days with the wrong ideas and the wrong perceptions. And we work, and we give, and we push, and we pray. And you're wondering, God, is everything I'm doing even making a difference? Is me being here today really that important? Or could I have stayed at home and simply watched online for a few minutes and and, and listened to a few songs earlier in worship? Is that enough? Or, or am, am I even valuable here? Am I even needed here? Am I needed in my home? Am I needed at my job? And it's downward we go in this spiral thinking and we're trying to shake ourselves and wake ourselves up to realize that we are not Unseen, but we feel that way. We go through the crowd knowing we are unclean, knowing why we don't belong where we are. But notice after she touches him, the Bible said she told why she had touched him. She had no problem explaining her why. She had no problem saying, Look, I've had an issue for 12 years. Everybody I've gone to, every doctor, Every friend, every person, every one of them has only let me down. I don't need anyone reminding me of who I am. I don't need anybody reminding me of where I've come from. But we come into the house of God wanting change, but not really wanting to draw attention to ourselves. But this woman was desperate. She didn't care who saw her She didn't care who she bumped into. She didn't care who she pressed through to get there. She came desperate. And while many there that day pressed in and brushed him, this woman was desperate to touch the hem of his garment. Even in a crowd of people, he knew someone touched me. There was an individual here that got my attention. There was one here, though there is a multitude that a moment. Ago in worship uh, that God said hold on just a minute somebody uh, just stepped out of their aisle somebody uh, just lifted their hands somebody just reached out for me uh, and I want them to know in this moment uh, that I noticed uh, I, that it was not in waste uh, it was not in vain but I realize uh, what they're going through uh, I realize what you're facing uh, I realize you've had the issue for 12 years uh, and now that you're here here you're desperate for a touch he knew someone had touched him and even when there were so many around that day she knew that he knew she knew that she had gotten his attention and the word said and that she could not go unnoticed Because He cares. And He loves you enough that though He's on His way to Jairus' house, and He's still going to deal with that situation, but God is not too busy to stop and say, Daughter, I want you to know that you are healed today. I want you to know that you are made whole today. Oh yeah, God's got something for somebody today. There's a Jairus here today that God's going to work, and God's going to move, but there is a woman here today or a man here today that God said, I'm not too busy to stop from where I'm going and stop what I'm doing and say, Can I work in your life for a minute? Can I heal you? Can I work in your life? It doesn't, I know it's been 12 years. I know it's been a long time, but in an instant, in the moment that she touched the hem of his garment, immediately she was healed. 12 years have gone by, and now the only thing that matters. Is I am healed. I am healed. I am healed. And God wants to do that for somebody today. You may have been overlooked by family. You may have been overlooked by a spouse or a job, but God doesn't overlook you. And He knows right where you are. He knows those secret places, He knows when you need them the most. The Bible says in John that Nathaniel goes and and Philip findeth Nathaniel and said unto him, we have found him of who Moses was speaking about. He's here. He's, he's in body and flesh uh, and he came from Nazareth and Philip is there telling him this and Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And he says, come and see. Widow woman, woman with the issue of blood, you can't just stay where you're at. You've got to come to where the crowd is. You've got to come to where Jesus is. If you want to see if anything good can come from Nazareth, you've got to come and see. And the Bible said that Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Nathaniel saith unto him, How? How do you know me? This is our first time ever seeing one another. This is our first introduction here. How do you, you don't know me. You don't know my story. You don't know my background and where I've come from. Jesus said, before Philip ever called you, before Philip ever walked your way, when you was under the fig tree, I saw you. I saw you. And Nathanael said, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. And Jesus said unto him, Because I said I saw you under the fig tree, believest thou, thou shalt see greater things than these. Because where you were at. And I said I saw you there. That meant something so much to Nathaniel That when God said that. He said oh I know who you are now. I know exactly who you are. You are Rabbi. You are the Lord my God. You are the King of Israel. Because nobody knows where I've been. And nobody knows what I've been going through. But you saw me. God seeing us is a big deal Job said behold I go forward he's not there and backward but I cannot perceive him on the left hand he doth work but I cannot behold him he hideth himself on the right that I cannot see him and he's saying all around everywhere I look to the left to the right in front of me and behind me and I can't find God anywhere but the very next verse says but He knoweth the way that I take. That means I may not see Him. And I may not know what He's doing and where He's going. But it means He knows where I'm at. And He sees me. And He sees every step that I take. And that's enough for me to lift my hands and say, Okay, God, then I trust You. Then I will praise You. And I will obey Your Word and know that You see me. Hagar, she did what she was told to do. She obeyed Sarah's command. And while there was that moment of Hagar despising Sarah, Hagar would have never been put in this position if it had not been for Sarah. And Abraham tells her to do what she wants to do with Hagar. So the Bible says that Sarah dealt hardly with her. She was rough. She was harsh. She put her down and afflicted her to the point that Hagar fled. And her very name means flight. Her very name means she's a runner and she's identified as somebody who simply walks away, who simply flees. When things get hard, she walks off. When things get uneasy, she just wants to flee and run away. And she finds herself at a well, so upset, on the road to Shur, which means a wall. She was literally on her road to a dead end. She was on the road to a wall where she was not going to get anywhere. And you would think in the Word of God, when the angel of the Lord visits somebody, that the first time the angel of the Lord visits anybody... In your mind, you're thinking, well, it had to be Adam and Eve, or it had to be Noah, or it had to be Moses, or it had to be one of those pioneers of the faith. But no, the first time the angel of the Lord is referenced in Scripture is when the angel of the Lord appears unto Hagar at that well, this woman who we paint so ugly, this woman who we shun and push to the side because we think of her as a homewrecker, but the angel of the Lord says she will have a son and his name shall be Ishmael which means the Lord has heard her affliction the name Ishmael means God will hear every time she calls his name Ishmael come here Ishmael go in the other room Ishmael go get that pot for me every time she says his name it's a reminder that God hears me it's a reminder that though I'm lost in this wilderness and I'm on my way to a brick wall and I'm on my way to a dead end that God hears me that God hears me that God hears me and I am not alone she then called the name of the Lord that spoke to her thou God seest me yes he saw me and then I saw him brother Drost tells the story Of his father who was in the hospital and he was battling cancer and he was very ill. And he went to the hospital one night... And they were there and he said, I, I, I just need some help. And so the doctors come in and the doctor said, well, we're going to keep you through the night uh, and we're going to have some nurses coming in and checking on you and we're going to run some tests and, and we're going to do all of these things. And, and can we help you? Can we do anything for you? And he says, no, I, I just, I just really want sleep. I, I've been rattled with this disease in my body and I, just, I haven't slept and I'm just in a miserable place and I, I desperately need a few hours of sleep to which the doctor kind of chuckled and said I think you missed the part where I said nurses are coming in and out all night and we're going to be testing you and we're going to do all this stuff through the night but we'll do the best that we can to which the doctor walks out and a few moments later, a nurse walks in and as she does, she opens the marker and writes her name on the board. E-L-M-I-R-A And she begins to help Brother Dross and she said, can I do anything for you? And he said, I, I just want to be comfortable. I just want to sleep. I just want to rest. And so she said, you've got it. Tell me what you need. And so she starts moving his pillows and and positioning him and getting him in a place where he was comfortable. And finally, when he felt good, he gave her a thumbs up and she walks out the door. The next morning, or just a few moments later, he's sitting there and his son says, Dad, is there anything I can do for you? And he said that my dad just began to weep. And he said, son... I've served God all these years. I was on the mission field serving God faithfully. And now here at the end of my life, I'm battling this cancer, which is fine. It's fine that I've got this. It's not a big deal. I I have that understanding and I know what's happening to me. But I just want to know after all these years that God sees me. That God knows where I am at. That I am not forsaken and I am not alone. I just, I know it's the enemy, but I just feel in a place where God doesn't know where I am at. And he went to sleep and sleeps all night long and wakes in the morning to doctors coming running in his room saying, Mr. Dross, we are so sorry, but we forgot about you last night. Nobody came in your room. All night long, we forgot to run the test It's it's our apologies, we are so sorry We And he's sitting there smiling He said, hey, don't you dare apologize That was the best night's sleep I've had in a long time And he said, and that sweet nurse that came in after y'all left She set me up, she made me feel so comfortable a- And she got me all set up where I could really get rest And she left me alone all night I would like to tell her thank you and the doctor said, Mr. Dross, you don't understand. When we walked out of your room last night, that was it. Nobody came back into your room. There's no record of a nurse coming in. And he said, Oh, yeah, she did. She wrote her name up there on the board. Her name's Elmira. And he said, Oh, okay. Well, you know, we'll, we'll go looking. We'll go searching. And so they go. They can't find any record of Elmira working at the hospital. And so they come back with, with a screen and they say, we're going to flip through some pictures of our nurses that work on this floor. And we're going to show you these images. And they, nope, not her. Nope, not her. Nope, not her. Nope. Nope, nope. Get through the list. And they said, sir, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. I don't, th- there's no nurse here by the name of Elmira. And he looked up at the board again. Brother Joss, and he begins to cry as he looked up at the board. And he said, it's in Spanish. It's the language that I've been speaking in another country all these years. Elmira. Which means, He looks. He looks. He sees right where you are. If you want to know, do I see you? I'm going to send a lady in here to give you what you ask for. But beyond that, before you even ask that I see you, she's going to write her name on the board. I'm looking. I'm looking. I've got my eye on you. I've got my eye on you. And I know right where you are at. Somebody say, he sees enemy is attacking and nothing is working and we say God do you really see me God do you really know where I'm at Do you really know that the enemy Has been banging my door down Do you know all that the enemy's been up to For the Bible says that When Job was walking around And Satan said Oh God I've been going here and there And I've been going to and fro throughout the earth God do you know he's been going to and fro Do you know what the enemy's been up to Do you know the trouble that he's been causing Second Chronicles says For the eyes of the Lord Run to and fro from throughout the earth Yeah he knows what the enemy's been doing And the whole time he's been watching him He's been keeping an eye on him Making sure he doesn't harm his children Making sure he doesn't take you out And say oh I didn't tell you you could do that The Bible said he did that to, To show himself strong In behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him Proverbs 15.3 The eyes of the Lord are in every place Beholding the evil and the good Psalms 33 Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear Him Upon them that hope in His mercy Job 34 His eyes are upon the ways of man And He seeth all His going There is no darkness nor shadow of death Where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves I see it all I see every storm I see every battle I see what the wicked are up to I see what your enemy is up to I see what you are up to and nothing is hidden from me Psalms 53 said God look down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that understand that did seek God his word said that his eye is on the sparrows that fall and you are more valuable than many sparrows he sees he sees somebody say he hears Psalm 66:19. 19 but verily God hath heard me he hath attended to the voice of my prayer First Peter 3 and 12 for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ear attentive to their prayer Jeremiah 29 and 12 Then shall ye call upon me And ye shall go and pray unto me And I will hearken unto you Psalms 34 and 17 In the ESV When the righteous cry for help The Lord hears And delivers them out of all of their troubles Isaiah 65 24 Before they will call I will answer While they are yet speaking I will hear Psalms 18 In my stress I call upon the Lord to my God I cried for help and from his temple he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears Proverbs 15 the Lord is far from the wicked but he hears the prayers of the righteous he hears he sees and he knows 1 John 3 says and he knows everything Psalms 147, His understanding is beyond measure. Psalms 139, 4, For there is not a word in my tongue... But lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it all to get... Before I even speak, before anything comes out of my mouth, you already know what I'm thinking. You already know what I'm about to say. You already know where I'm at and what I'm going through. Psalms 50 said, I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. I have an understanding. I have a knowledge that you can't comprehend. But He's come to tell somebody today, if you're asking, do I notice you? Do you know where I'm at, God? Do you see me in the crowd? Oh yeah, I hear you. I see you. And I know you. I know everything about you. And I am here this morning to make sure that you know that He knows right where you are. He sees you and He notices you when no one else does. He hears your cry. He sees your struggle. He knows what you're going through. He could have overlooked that woman in the crowd that day. He could have thought, oh boy, here's one more fanatic. Here's one more crazy lunatic coming my way. But her why was not to be seen. Because her desperation pried her out of her place of comfort. And said, I know who's here. And I know what he can do. And because of her sincere desire for something in her life to change. She could not go unnoticed. Oh yeah, he loved the crowd many times scripture said he had compassion on the multitude he had compassion on the crowd but even in the crowd he could identify one even in a church this size you think will he ever see me will the preacher ever even lay his hands on my head will God even really know where I'm at hear me a preacher doesn't have to lay his hand on your head for God to get a hold of you and say yes I know where you are yes I know what you're going through. And yes, I see you and I want you to know everything is going to be all right. It was 2019. My family and I and sister Melanie went to Disney World, the happiest place on earth. And we went there. And I already went on this trip with a whole lot of questions and a whole lot of things going on in my mind and a whole lot of insecurity and, and that was my problem. But we're there and we're having fun and we're having the time of our life. And the last day of the trip, I am so sick. I, 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 I could not even sit up without getting dizzy. I'd gotten dehydrated. And so we wake up. And I told Sarah and the boys and Sister Mel, I said, y'all go enjoy this last day and just have fun. You're not going with us? I'm so sick. I'm so sick. I can't go. I can't go. They say, get dressed. They walk out the door. And when I tell you the moment that door shut, if this guy has ever felt the spirit of depression, it came into that room, the happiest place on earth that day. And I began to wrestle with some things and the enemy was taunting me. Why would you even go home? Those people don't care about you. Those people don't value you. The situations that you're in is all for nothing. What you're dealing with right now, God, God doesn't pay attention to He doesn't. You're serving Him. You're at Greater Life Church and you're doing all these things and, and, and God doesn't even pay attention to that. And I'm sitting there, and in my mind, I know that's not landing Long thinking. And I'm sitting there, and I'm wrestling with this, and I'm crying, and I'm, I'm too sick to deal with this. And I'm sitting there, and I was just crying out to God, and I, I was just, I, I felt like I was wrestling all this stuff at once, and I was all by myself. And I sat there, and I said, nope, I'm not doing this all day long. I refuse to stay in this room all day long. And, and, and I can't imagine these people that deal with this kind of stuff for months and years. And deal with an issue for 12 years. I can't fathom that because I, I've had just a few moments of it. And I'd already told the enemy that's enough that's enough I'm not going to sit here and listen to that all day I'm not going to sit and be depressed all day I'm at a place I'm on vacation with my family and they're out there having fun and I'm in here listening to this junk and so I got up and I got dressed and I walk out thinking they're already living it up at the park and they're still in there eating breakfast and I go sit over there and they're like what are you doing? I said I'm coming I'm coming with y'all I laid right there on the bench while they finished their breakfast. I got up. We go to the park. Animal kingdom of all places. If you've ever been there, it's the hottest of all the parks. Not really. It's a jungle. But we're there in every few places. There's a bench. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to enjoy my time, but I'm going to sit down. I'm going to rest. I felt miserable the whole day. I felt miserable. We're riding rides. What I could ride, I would ride. And what I couldn't, I'd just stay back and we're walking at this one point at the back of the park and as we are walking I ask the boys does anybody need to go to the bathroom while there's one right here no okay I don't know how long it's going to be before we see another one but we're going to pass this one up we walk we get to a ride we go ride this ride and we get off and Camden Daddy I really need to go to the bathroom of course you do Sarah and Remington go get back on the ride. I asked Sister Melanie, would you stay with Cohen? I'm going to take Camden and try to find a restroom. And I said, I'm going to go this way, because that's the direction we're heading. I'm not walking all the way back there to that one, because that was way back there. I'm going to walk to this one. So we start walking. That one was a lot closer. We get all the way over there. And when we get over there, I notice something the only people as far as I could see was me and Camden now I don't know if you've ever been to Disney or not but that that doesn't happen we walk into the restroom same thing not a worker not a person nobody is in there we walk out these doors and again as far as my eye could see not a single person And I asked Sister Caitlin to send me this picture because she's working there right now. And this is a post that was right outside that restroom that day when there was nobody else around. And on this post was a yellow sticky note like what you see right there. And as I walked by that post, I thought, well, that was silly. And I got about five steps past it and I felt something in me. Go read it. Why not? I go back, and on that yellow post-it note was 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, To which I just walked past and thought, it's probably some controversial scripture somebody's putting at Disney World wanting to stir the pot. I felt something again. Go read it. So right there at Animal Kingdom in the back of the park, I open my phone and go to 1 Corinthians 15. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I sat there holding Camden's hand and holding my phone. Oh God. I know whoever wrote that today probably felt really dumb. To write a sticky note and put it on a pole by the bathrooms at Disney. And probably said, God, why would I put it here? Why would I put it here? Because God had set in motion a moment where there was not one person in in, in a crowded place in a place like Disney where there are so many people, and said, I want it to be that when Landon gets to that post... That Landon sees that sticky note And Landon reads those words Because I know what he was battling today I saw the enemy taunting him And I want to remind him today That even where he is at I see him And I know what he's going through And I want him to know The work he is doing is not in vain 20 minutes later We walk by that same restroom There were so many people around I would have never seen it I would have never seen it, but God in His own way orchestrated it at just the right place, at just the right time, at just the right moment. Don't you ever look at a sticky note on the wall the same again. It may be that word that somebody had for you. It may be that word of encouragement that you needed in the middle of a storm and a trial, just so that you know that God sees right where you are. Let's stand all over this place today. In John 5, the Bible says, Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. A great multitude of people, A crowd that all needs a touch from God. Everybody needs a touch. Every person in this building today needs a touch from God. I don't care if you're the best place you've ever been in your life. You need a touch from God today. But there was a great multitude of people there. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water... Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. I have no one. For thirty eight years, I have dealt with this. And here I am. With a multitude of people that need a touch from God. With a multitude of people that need healing and restoration and salvation. Who am I? In the middle of this crowd. In the middle of the pew. With all these other good people of God. That all need a touch from God. Who am I? The Bible said in verse 6. When Jesus saw him. He when Jesus saw him lie and knew, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? I know how long you've been in this place. I know how long you've been sitting in the pew wondering, does anybody see me? Oh, I shake hands with everybody, and I hug necks, and oh, I'm so glad you're here today. And and I come and I worship with my brothers and sisters. But does anybody really know where I'm at? I've been shunned by people for just doing what I was asked to do, and now I find myself running to a dead end. Does God even see? I'm lying here needing a touch from God, needing a work, needing something, and I know, I know, I know that there are people that need Him probably as much as I do. There may be somebody that may need Him more than I do. And so because of that, I'm just going to slip back and I'm going to be quiet and I'm not going to cause a scene and I'm not going to cause any trouble. No, it's time. It's time because God is here today to tell somebody you are not unnoticed even in a church this size with all the people around you God sees you He knows where you're at and what you're going through today and He wants you to know I see you, I hear you, I know everything that you're facing I know the fig tree you've been sitting under, I know the circumstances of your life I know how long you've dealt with this issue and I'm asking you today, do you want To be made whole, do you want to be made whole? I don't I don't want to know how long you had it. I know how long you've had it. I don't want to know all that you've gone through. I know what you've gone through. And I am here today to tell somebody if you would step out of your comfort zone and press and say, if I could just get there, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, and then I know that I cannot go unnoticed and then. God would have one of those moments for me where I could stop in the middle of a crowded place and say now I know now I know that you see me now I know that you care for me come on right where you are all over this house I know everybody needs a touch but somebody's desperate today somebody needs to be seen today not so that you get recognized not so there's a light shining on you but because you need god in a special way i refuse to listen to the depression i refuse to listen to those thoughts of the enemy any longer god today give me a word Today, God, remind me that you see me and that you know me all over this place. There are testimonies of words, of things that you've done that are reminders in our season of life. That you know what we're going through. That you know right where we are at. Come on, if you see somebody around you praying, go pray with them. Give them a word of encouragement today. Come alongside them this morning and pray that God would direct their steps into the right place at the right time. Remind them God sees them right where they are at. He